You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about removing owners as solo sales teams. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I could go on and on and on about this one forever. Um, I'm totally guilty of this. This has definitely been me. Uh, And to be fair, I think it's also most small business owners that I know, which is all of our probably greatest fears. (laughs) Nobody wants to be the only person that's doing sales for their company, but it's really, really hard to get out of that. And we also hear that, yeah, nobody's going to be a better salesperson than the owner, but we also know that in order to scale, that's not a solid game plan. And if you ever potentially sell, that's also really not a good game plan because it's not a really saleable company if no one else can sell except for you. Um, so yeah, building a sales team is super hard. Uh, I've tried to go about this multiple times myself and have uh, failed miserably, probably because I had not yet enlisted today's guest, Lisa Praber's help in doing so. So let me put this out as a PSA for everyone listening, every owner out there that does not want to be their own solo sales team anymore. Please listen up because Lisa's about to dominate your world. Um, I've known today's guest, Lisa Praber for a few years now. She's one of the best salespeople I've ever met. I mean, truly, I, I, I really mean that <laughs> she's, uh, she's got a 20 year, knock it out of the park record record. And when we finally started chatting earlier this year and she was like, yes, I'm doing the thing. I'm going to launch my own sales consulting business. I was like, finally, the world has been waiting for this. And I can't wait to watch you totally crush it because this is what we all need. So I'm I'm so excited about the work that she's doing for small businesses because she is specifically working on those that don't have a defined sales team, aka most small businesses that I know, and she's helping them create, fill and sustain pipelines that aren't entirely dependent on the old uh, on the owner, <laughs> which to me is quite a gold mine. So I'm proud to say that as of today, we are signing our contract with Lisa to help us grow. And I can't wait to see how she lights the world on fire with what she's doing and also helps us. She's a damn good time. I'd go just about anywhere with this lady. We just talked about this last week. And it's my great pleasure to introduce Lisa Praber, founder, owner, and ultimate sales badass of The Middle Six. Welcome to Eloma, Lisa. Are you sure you're not in sales? Because that was quite... (laughs) I'm signing a contract. Da, 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 da. I mean, we got jazz fingers over here. Yeah. Um, no, I'm super, super excited to have you on the show. Lisa and I have had many conversations and they're always a damn good time. So Lisa, let's, let's get into it. Let's just, let's like literally just dive in and talk about sales mistakes that owners make. So tell me maybe like the top three mistakes you see small business owners that run into when it comes to sales. Oh, coming in hot, Kylie. Coming in hot, <laughs> hot, hot, hot. Um, yeah, I guess I ended up. I ended up in this space because I would um, interview with a small company, and they would say, "Yes, we love you. We want you. We have to have you. We can't afford you." And, yep, and I sounds think, about right. <laughs> yeah, and I and I totally get that. It's a small business, um, and and you're proud of what you're doing. Um, so I think one of the first mistakes that they make is they keep sales in a so in a silo. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, the owner of that small business is the one bringing in the sales and, and they put it on themselves and they think in order to scale or grow or sell more that their first plan is to hire a salesperson. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, so Which I is also a gift, by the way, because I know we've had that conversation and you're like, I don't think you need to do this. And as an owner, you're like, thank God, I don't want to. Well, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you don't have to eventually, but I think the first thing <laughs> to do, I, I look at sales. Yeah. And first you need to create the funnel, then you can fill the funnel and then you can sustain the funnel. So there's some, there's some stuff to do first, um, <clears throat> which leads me to my second um, mistake. And that would be trying a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, and never really standardizing or defining or evaluating what they're doing that's working. So identifying those best practices or even identifying KPIs or, um, you know, anything that they can use to define the ROI behind what they're doing. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of what creates that roller coaster is you might have an awesome win from a flaw in the system, but that flaw in the system might be able to to be standardized. So, you know, I think taking a step back and putting some strategy is, is something that a lot of small business owners miss out on. Yep. And then uh, the third thing I would say is <clears throat> you got to spend a little money to make a little money. So yep. I, I, I often see sales as the last bucket you think you need to spend money on. And, and, and there's some really amazing tools that exist um, that, you know, small business owners may hesitate spending the money on or investing their people tax on. Um, and I think that's something that might be considered a mistake. So, yeah. 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 And it, it's hard. It's hard because it also takes some time, right? Like in best case scenarios, you see the payoff right away, but I, I don't think that that's common. It takes time to build the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And then every time a, a day is going by and there's not sales coming in, it's like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? Should we pull the plug? Should we pull the plug? And then we all self-sabotage. Yeah, and in, in sales, it, it depends on what type of sales, but you know, in, in B2B sales, for example, or B2B2C sales, it's a long game. I mean, uh, an average sales cycle can be two to three years sometimes. Yep. Um, there might be some quick hits. You might find some perfect timing, but, you know, there's a relationship behind everything still. I mean, there are automations that are low-hanging fruit that should be put into place. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still it's still a person game, which is... I, I hope one of the only industries that won't change right? And, and become AI, but there are, there are a lot of AI pieces that you can put into place with sales too, that I think you can do before hiring that, that person. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm sure the answer to this question will be, it depends, but we'll, we'll just see. Um, if there uh -huh. were like three, <laughs> we'll just see if there were say like three low hanging fruit things that an owner should consider doing right now that maybe they're not, what would be like the lowest hanging fruit things that you would recommend? No, I feel like I have to say it depends because you told me. <laughs> um, 
No, I think, I think there's definitely things that people can do no matter how small they are. I think getting a CRM in place is vital. I mean, literally vital um, from a time saving and and then not dropping any balls aspect. So, you know, and just for our listeners, CRM is okay. <laughs> uh, customer relationship, um, Management. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like a Salesforce or a HubSpot or, or anything that really tracks the relationships that you're making and, and, and helps you in a lot of different ways, not just from a sales standpoint, but it'll help you scale. You know, if you're, if you're selling a product, it'll help you plan for production. And, and if you're selling a service, it'll help you provide for staffing, being able to really project, um, see your projections, but also the automations that it provides for follow-up, the standardized customer experience it can provide. I mean, that's one of the biggest parts of sales is really you got this far by giving every person you helped this amazing experience. And the the more sales you bring to the table, you know, the, the chances of that experience wavering for your clients is there unless you really standardize what you're doing and your best practices. And that's a good call. I, I love that. That's a great call out. Is it, it's all about the experience. And if we don't standardize it, then we can't guarantee it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, what else? What else? Ah, okay. So remember I said, um, putting sales in a silo. Mm-hmm. So I think that is something that every owner can do right away is make sales a focus for your entire company. Um, when you're a small team, you don't necessarily know, um, you know, what drives people. And, and a lot of times they maybe don't know the appropriate time or space to share ideas, but they might have ideas that knock it out of the park. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm from a lean, a lean background, and that's really a bottom-up culture. And um, the success that I've had at, in the past working for a lean organization really came from allowing the people doing the work to improve the work. You know, instead of the executive saying, this is what we're going to do and throwing spaghetti against the wall and trying something, it's the people doing the work saying, you know, I think this is broken, we should fix it, or we should try this really ends up being a lot better for buy-in from your group and, you know, creating that sales collaborative mindset. Yep. I think, again, if you want to introduce a salesperson to your team, chances are if they're the right, if they're a salesperson, they're going to be a bright, shiny unicorn and not fit in at all. (laughs) And that's, that's good because that's what they're there for. But unless your team is prepared for that and understands that sales is the focus, then it, it usually falls flat. And, and that salesperson that you add to the team looks like this outsider instead of an asset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so was there one more? Did you have one more? Well, I think, I think <laughs> on that, it would be, Um, I think that small business owners should be honest with themselves and what they really want. Do you want, Mm -hmm. do you want to sell? I mean, do you enjoy it? Do you want to stay in that space? Um, or do you really want to take time off? Do you, I, I think being honest with yourself and, 
and what you really want is important. Um, so if you want to stay in the selling space, then that's perfectly fine. Let's just then put some automations in place to save you time um, and, and really kind of find out what you're doing. So eventually when you are ready to take that step back, it is an easy transition to, to bring somebody on. <clears throat> and then you you don't have to pay for top 10. You don't have to pay for somebody like me who's going to walk in and say, oh, I think you should do this and this. You can bring on somebody green that's a natural salesperson by heart and and give them the keys to the castle and allow them to just run with it. That's awesome. And I know one of the um, issues that a lot of owners come fa- or will face when it is time to hire a salesperson is how do I know that this is the right person? Because so often, even if we are the best salespeople, right? We don't necessarily know how or why (laughs) or how to standardize that or how to templatize that. So are there any like tricks of the trade that you have up your sleeve for any owners out there that are like, these are things you should think about when you are trying to find the right salesperson? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, this is one of my favorite things to help people do. Um, So when I was a young pup, I actually, (laughs) I fell into sales by accident. Somebody took a chance on me. I showed up for my first sales interview at the age of 21 wearing white pants because I worked at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh my God. And my shoes were all chewed up from the new puppy I just bought. I mean, I'm sure my hair was wet. I was obviously not qualified to make the kind of money I made in sales. And I remember filling out a behavioral analysis before my interview and I was hired. And I remember, I mean, and I ramped up super quick. I sales was my calling. I would have been lost without sales. It, (laughs) I was, I was a career server and I was just, you know, Drinking myself silly every night and waking <laughs> up and serving cheese curds. Yeah. So I, I mean, what my my point is is there's some amazing tools out there that allow you to really find out the inherent natural traits of a person, mm-hmm. um, what they're good at, what what drives them. And somebody at my last company or first company looked at at that profile of mine and said this woman is naturally a salesperson. They already had the tools. They had a very standard process they followed. Um, They gave that to me and I was immediately able to be successful because I was naturally wired to do that. So being naturally wired is, is really important but it only works if they have that roadmap in place Mm -hmm. or you're not you don't expect that person to just walk in and figure it out. Um, you, you cannot have that situation if you want to um, hire a salesperson. Are there any like, you know, dominant traits for a salesperson that an owner should just be on the lookout for? Yeah, if, if you don't have um, the sophisticated software, you can look for things like low patience. Um, you cannot have a salesperson with high patience because if somebody... Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I so love that. It's, it's true though. So think about it. So your customer says, thank you so much, Kylie. 
this has been great. Give me some time to think about it. If you and your natural state are patient, you're going to say, client, no problem. Take your time. I'll be here when you're ready. You might never get that sale. You want yep. somebody that's that's impatient, like, oh, completely, completely understand. What concerns do you have? Somebody that's like, well, what? Wait, I need this. I want somebody with low patience is, is an awesome person to have on the team. Okay. Um, they have to be they have to be extroverted enough in the fact that they like to work with people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but some people say they enjoy people, but they're, they may enjoy people in little tiny bursts yeah. <laughs> uh, and they need a week off. Yep. That's just not going to work. I mean, I'm an extroverted extrovert. I have the, I have that piece. So at, you know, I, I sometimes say, oh, I could take a night off. I'm exhausted. And then I spend an hour at home and I'm like, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is up to because I literally thrive and, and get energy from being around people. So, so those are the kind of traits you have to look for. Um, I have some really interesting interview questions too. Um, Ooh, you want to drop them? You, yeah. you want to share? You want to share? Yeah. Okay. So this is, okay. This take is note. Everyone take note. Here we go. So let's say you're interviewing someone for sales and you just don't know if they hit these traits. So I have a few, I'll give you three um, amazing great. sales interview questions. So okay. the first one is, and if you want to pretend we're in an interview, Kylie. Sure. Just, okay. I'm interviewing. Okay. Kylie, how many golf balls fit in a school bus? <laughs> well, um, I would ask, no, I'm actually the person. Sorry. My bad. Uh, great question. So interesting. Uh, how big is the school bus? Perfect. Kylie, you're hired. Um, when you have, when you ask that question and somebody says, I don't know, you know, they're not going to take your customer seriously and, and be able to ride through uncomfortable situations. Like the, if you, if you find somebody in an interview situation like that, that says, Oh, well, how big is the school bus? How many seats are in the school bus? Are there kids in the school bus? And then gives you an answer to the best of their knowledge or says, you know what, that is such a good question. I'm going to do some research and get back to you on that. And then they go the step further and they follow up with you and give yep. you, I mean, these are really incredible sales traits, um, that show follow-up that show curiosity that show, um, you know, that they're okay in uncomfortable situations and odd questions. Those are really important things. Okay. Um, another one is Kylie, do you believe in life in outer space? Uh, uh yeah, I think that anything's possible. Let's right. talk about it. <laughs> right. So that's important too. If somebody's like, absolutely not, you know, then they're not open to new things. They're, they're probably not trainable. They're probably not able to, you know, think outside the box as much. They're probably more black and white. And you really need somebody that, that can be creative and think differently to find a solution for your customers. And then the third one is really the ultimate um, personality test. So oh Kylie, um, sing me happy birthday. I can't believe you're making me do this right now. <laughs> happy birthday. Okay, <laughs> so, I mean, if you're, if you're on the fence, if you have somebody who won't sing you happy birthday, they're going to be so uncomfortable. 
comfortable when a client's like, how much is that? You know, you have to have somebody on your team that can just freaking roll with it and, and be flexible and put themselves out there and, and, and take chances. And now, you know, why a good salesperson often appears as a unicorn on, in a small business is yeah. they should be semi-insane. <laughs> they should be semi-insane. Okay. Well, I guess that also explains why most owners tend to be pretty good salespeople because Absolutely. we're all a little bit crazy ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> It's how it works. I love it. Um, Lisa, you had mentioned your lean sales management background. For anybody listening who is a bit curious about that, can you tell us a little bit more about what lean sales means? Yes. Yeah. So if if you would have asked me when I started my career, if I thought that sales was an art or a science, I would say, oh my gosh, 100% an art. The better you are at eating and drinking with strangers, the better salespeople. <laughs> And, and oh my while, God, I love that. Well, some of it is true. Um, in 2008, when the market tanked, um, the company I was with, um, a manufacturing company, they tried their hardest to keep their manufacturing in the United States. And they ended up being able to do that by um, hiring a, a lean consultant and mm. having them turn the manufacturing facilities into lean manufacturing facilities. Um, so lean is a, is a practice that was created um, by Toyota. That is the mentality of um, improving the work, cutting costs, improving quality, um, saving time, um, cutting waste, just really improving the work is the work is the motto. Um, and that means taking everything you can and turning it into a process. So, like and and giving that responsibility to the bottom up. So as a leader, you don't ever get to have the ideas anymore. It's 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 putting that onto the people. How can we improve the work? So for example, from a manufacturing standpoint, uh, one of the the cellular production workers says, you know, every time I come in at the end of my shift, three shifts, I can't find my drill beds. Um, I think we should put them away every night in the exact same spot and they have to be there. So they did that and it ended up saving the company something like $200,000 a year in pure profit just by allowing this person doing the work to, to by listening to the work yeah, and doing something, but that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, an executive might be like, oh, we need to save $200,000. We're cutting two people. Mm. Um, so the owner of my company ended up identifying lean as something that could be done in sales as well, which most people would think is impossible, um, because it is such an art. Um, but what we did is we, we standardized everything we could. So we took, um, you know, the sales process and we made it that minimum standard of performance. And we made it where if you were with a client and you weren't selling them, you could go back to your sales process and know what you missed because that sales process was so mm. good that if you followed it correctly, you were going to win the deal. So you, it, it was turning a sales process into into something you can see and follow along with not only helps with 
that accountability piece in that in that sale, but also an amazing tool for onboarding. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of saying, "Oh, Kylie, go hang out with Joe. He's our best salesperson. He'll tell you what to do." You know, Joe, Joe might be cutting corners. He might just yeah for so long. He's so great at it. Um, and then also, like we talked about before, that that customer experience, mm-hmm. having a sales process, make sure that your customer's not missing out anything on anything as well, um, which is really important. They might have walked into it. You might have walked in assuming the sale, which is what you're supposed to do. But if you're not, if you're missing some of those amazing things that you offer as a company in your in your process, you know, maybe you don't land the deal and you're surprised and you shouldn't be put in that situation. So we standardized everything we could, but then we also talked about it all the time. We built a team-based Kaizen culture where the whole company was involved and, and passionate and knew that improving the work is the work. Our goals were transparent and identified and we tracked them. Um, so there was that standardized follow-up piece. Um, so turning our sales company into a lean machine, we ended up going from a $40 million company to a $70 million company in four years, adding zero employees, zero locations, just by standardizing best practices and improving the work. And now you're bringing this to small business owners. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. What is the pickup line? Oh, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because you're an angel to all of us owners. Well, I don't pick up people very often, but I'm sure I butchered that. (laughs) It was a little uncomfortable, but again, I love uncomfortable situations. Oh my God. I love it. Um, Okay. So Lisa, I want to dive in real quick. So as you're doing this work for small business owners, your company is called The Middle Six. And I know we talked a lot about the name of your company. We went back and forth and back and forth. And I'm so thrilled that you landed on The Middle Six. Tell listeners just real quick, what does The Middle Six mean? Ah, yes. The Middle Six. Yeah, yeah. Sexy, isn't it? <laughs> um, it? It means a few things. Um, one of the things is if you had 10 opportunities and you did your job good, you should land two of those. Two of them are automatically no, um, but it's what you do with the middle six that really matters. And then that also translates into sales teams. So on a sales team of 10, two of them, they freaking suck. <laughs> two of them are rock stars, but it's what you do with the middle six when it comes to coaching and improving the work that really changes the status quo. Um, and then six for lean six Sigma, that's the, the, the process improvement. So, um, I also follow a six step process in, in putting together tactical plans for small businesses. So, I mean, it just, it took me a while to come up with the name, but I, I just, I believe it. It's such a beautiful fit and it's such a good story. Like, and it all very real. And so I I also say this to any listeners out there, if you're in the process of, you know, rebranding or naming your company, et cetera, go through the work of improving the work is the work and continue to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and find the soul of your company 
and look there for the name because at least I think you did a beautiful job of that. And it's just such a, a great story versus like lean sales management co. (laughs) There was like 20 of them, but I think another thing that this brings up though, and you and I have talked extensively about this is how sales and marketing tie together so closely. So, you know, sales might be that strategic um, part of it, but that marketing is the execution. So choosing that name was vital to putting together a marketing strategy to make it sellable. So that's just a small example of how the two work together. But, um, you know, when we talk about all the fun stuff of sales, like not the strategy, but the, the work itself, the sales campaigns, the really juicy stuff that that brings you the business, you know, it can stem from this sales mindset of of being creative, thinking outside the box, thinking of who that target customer is, you know, putting together that process, but to execute marketing is vital. Um, So they really do have to play really nicely together in the sandbox. So I I think as a sales professional or a small business owner, um, when I talk about investing in or understanding tools that exist, I say sales and I say business development because that's my specialty, but it's so important for me to be aware of and know the tools that are available from the marketing side to execute those sales initiatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important so often when thing because I'm on the other side of that, right? I've built my career as a marketer. And one thing I've always found so frustrating is sales and marketing so often are like, oh, it's the same. It's like, no, no, no. These are two different pieces of the pie. They need to play well together, but they are not the same thing. So yes, I I think that that's an important distinction. Yeah, Uh, and then there's the difference between sales and business development. Those are two different things too. So, you know, business development is that, that relationship piece, that, you know, more organic building of, you know, the brand. The long term. Yeah. Yeah. And sales is more that numbers, the ROIs, the strategies, the the more technical side of things. So thank you for calling that out because I'd never even taken a moment to to slice those two apart. And most business owners are phenomenal at the business development piece. And that's what got them to where they are. Yeah. But but business development, again, that's one of those things that it's so hard to track an ROI for. Um, and it's hard to put KPIs in place because those, those key performance indicators oftentimes are engagement-based. So, so small business owners have a really hard time spending money on business development until they really understand what that long-term payout is. Mm-hmm. You know, just as you said that, What's happening in my head right now is like, I've just seen like this flow chart of business development. Now, like the relationship building piece comes first and is probably also like foundational and continues, right? And then it goes into the marketing of like, okay, get them in, foster the relationship, et cetera. And then it goes into the sales. And then from there, it circles back so that you can retain those customers, upsell those customers, continue to build that relationship. But I so appreciate that distinction between business development and sales, because I think marketing goes in the middle of those things. Sales, or clo- sales goes in the middle and marketing and business development are on either side too. Yeah. I mean, 
they but all they're not are the same. It's, it's yeah, yeah they need it's, each other. This has just changed every okay. We have a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, all right. As we wrap up here, Lisa, what's the one thing that you want small business owners to stop doing and then to start doing? Um uh, don't beat yourself up about not being able to find a salesperson. Um <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> people, people end up in my, like people, customers end up in my lap because they say, I need to hire a salesperson and, and they will. And yes, they, they do, but don't beat yourself up. There's, there's few and far between of us and, and it's not something they teach in school. And so you, you're your own salesperson. You're going to be fine. Let's find some automations. Let's put together a plan. And small businesses, I don't think need to spend the big bucks on a salesperson. I think they can start small and, and find that natural talent. So don't, don't beat yourself up. Um, but start putting together what your best practices are. Start, start identifying and writing them down and, and trying to create what that magic juice is that you're squeezing. Um, try to de define what it is and standardize it. So um, when you do find that right fit, it's it's not uncomfortable for you to turn over the reins because they'll be doing what, what you were doing. Yeah. Like get it out of your head, get it out of your head, define it, share it, write it down. Love it. Um, all right. Two last questions for you. What impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? Yeah. So it goes back to that chance that somebody took on me in my white pants back in the day. <laughs> <My> white pants. <laughs> I, do, I, I, I want to, I want to standardize um, and redefine what sales is. I want it to not be a dirty word anymore. I want people to, to think of it as an awesome career choice. Um, so I, I want to bring people onto my team that I can, I can take a chance on because I use my software to make sure that that's inherently who they are and then teach them how to be a salesperson, show them the process, um, maybe have them help me at first or help one of my clients because a lot of times my clients don't have the bandwidth to run a, a sales project. So they will contract my team to work on it. So I want to help build the future of salespeople of the world. And, and you know, I, I came from serving and, and think about that. Like those people are spending time with people all day long. They're selling all day long. You know, if they wanted to work reasonable hours or have more flexibility in their life, I don't know if they know that sales is an awesome career option for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do want to you know, just change the stigma and really create a sales culture for the world. That's beautiful. I, I love know it. So dumb, but I love it. Okay. Last question. What is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Life and entrepreneurship or both buckets. Like um, like together. Like what is the greatest together. insight or discovery about the two of these things? Um so I would say I owning my own business so far has been 
pretty much one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Um, I, I've been telling some of my friends that when I wake up in the morning, I can breathe all the way in and then all the way out, which I haven't been able to do in so long. Um, you know, it, it's amazing working with clients that are truly grateful to have me and that, um, and, and that I can work from anywhere at any time. I have two darling little boys and, you know, if you've got little kids, you know, there's doctor's appointments here and there. And, and someone told me you only get 18 summers with your kids and it puts it in perspective. So, you know, if I can be on my laptop meeting a deadline in front of a campfire while my kids are sleeping in a tent and they go to bed at six 30, then who cares where I am? Um, and, and the clients that I have, that's why they started their own business. So I think, um, you know, that flexibility is, is amazing. And, and I guess that's, that's been a game changer for me. So. Love it. Love it. Uh, Lisa, now that everybody is madly in love with you and wants to reach out, what's the best way to contact you? I like all the ways, um, all the ways. <laughs> like any salesperson, like you give me a glimpse that you're interested and I'll find you. Um, <laughs> I'll find you. If you're good at stalking people on the internet, you'd be great at sales. So there's this big research there piece that needs to happen. Come on in. I love um, it. yeah. Email me, send me a LinkedIn message, text me, call me. What's the best email address? Uh, Lisa at the middle six.com. There you go. All right. Awesome. We will make sure that contact information is in the show notes. Uh, for everybody listening, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and leave us a review at wherever you're listening. And Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest. You are a delight and, uh, I'm super excited for all the work that you're doing. Thanks, Kylie. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.